and we're just thinking what everybody else is thinking, what we've been told to think, and it's super emotional, it's super charged. There's no room to talk about it and or, or to question it, right? Don't question it, just think, just think it. And that's how people really get about guns. And I think that's part of what has been my process with waking up out of that is like, wait, I'm just in like a, like a hypnotized, fearful place around this when if I slow down and I get curious and I'm actually able to take in the information and, and look at the full picture, what happens then? How, how do I want to relate to all of this then? I'd like to remind you guys that this show is fictional. Obey the laws in your country and listen to your doctor. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Everyone is Cancelled, episode 69. This week is... It's a sad time. Anytime a mass shooting happens, of course. And we're going to be talking about that. We're diving in. We're getting into it. I have my lovely partner from the podcast Love Signals, Michaela McDonald, with me. How are you, my dear? Hello, I'm well. Good to be here. And Mr. Fantastic Captain John Morgan from the East Coast, (laughs) Beast Coast... He's here with us as well. How are you doing, sir? I am, I am pumped. Not not for the uh, uh, content, but I, I'm just happy to be here. You're living life. You're feeling well. I'm glad to have you and your vitality here to join us. Need everybody sharp for this episode. We have some interesting things to talk about. Uh, the Uvalde shooting happened, of course. I'm sure we've all heard about it. And yeah. a lot of people died. A lot of children died. And there was a disturbed 18-year-old kid. I guess you're a man by age at that point, but an 18-year-old kid goes in there with a gun. And uh, the gist of it is that he just went on a shooting rampage. And the cops show up, and the cops just wait outside. They don't go in like they're supposed to do. They wait outside while the shooting's happening. I didn't know that. And they admit that they made a mistake doing that, which is not right. Their job is to... It, it, it's to go in there and take care of business. They had their rifles, they had their body armor, and there's defenseless children in there, and they treated it as a, uh, what would you call that? It's the um, barricaded shooter. A hostage, yeah, um, yeah, barricaded shooter. And what they usually do is they wait for the SWAT team to go in there. Sometimes they'll take down a whole wall to get to them. But when you have children, the country's pretty pissed because their job was to go in there and take care of the guy. So, John, would you like to give a lowdown of the situation after that uh, little roundup there? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that is the, uh, I mean, that's what we'll, we'll probably break all of that down. But, yeah, 19 kids, two teachers um, were killed. Uh, his, his grandmother, you know, he shot his grandmother in the face. She actually went across the street and called 911. Um, so after being she shot? was... Yeah, after Whoa. he shot her in the face. Whoa. So she is listed in fair condition now. Wow. Um, there are there are several survivors, um, so that's good. Uh, but um, but yeah, the loss of life is is uh, it's just it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, the police uh, are kind of real quiet right now. Um, Biden went there 
what, today or yesterday hmm. um, to, to pay his respects. Um, the uh, this the uh, local representative and the senator, um, you know, the senator said to stop criticizing the police um, because it's distracting. I, I don't know what that means. Uh, I don't see how that's just. I don't know what distraction that can cause, other than uh, maybe some clarity onto what went wrong and how we can do things better next time. Mm-hmm. Um, they. Plans right now, they're talking about uh, raising the school and and rebuilding it. And Biden said he was going to work to get federal funds to make that happen. So, A lot of people are using this as an excuse to share their political beliefs that our Second Amendment uh, is invalid. Now, right. I think this is this is scary to me. Because in 1990, and this has been happening before 1990, in 1990, uh, I believe it was called the, uh, something along the lines of the Anti-Gun, Anti-Gun Schools Act, which means that you cannot yeah. federally, this was federal, uh, you cannot carry guns onto a school campus unless specially licensed. That means a teacher who's not licensed, who still has the right to bear arms, cannot protect themselves. That means a principal can't. Right. That means that school staff cannot protect the children. They they were out. It was outlawed. And statistically, mass shootings drastically rose after that 1990 federal anti-gun schools act. And what we've noticed is that there was the least amount of shootings in the country, mass shootings, when we had the highest amount of guns. That is indisputable. That is a fact. The 1950s mass shootings were they had the watchtower shooting, and that was about it. Mass shootings were virtually non-existent, and that was when we had just about the highest amount of armed citizens. And as yeah. the amount, statistically, these are numbers. These don't care about your opinions. They don't care about your tears. These are statistical, mathematical numbers that have been documented. The more anti-gun laws that have been passed the more mass shootings that have happened. Chicago made guns basically illegal. And guess what place in America has the highest amount of gun-related murders? Chicago, Chi-Town, the Windy City. It is a nightmare for people to use this atrocity as an excuse to create more atrocities like this. And I have, you know, there's a certain amount of mercy I feel and empathy for these people that don't understand what they're doing. And what they do is they... What pisses me off about politicians and why I feel so adamant about this is that politicians use these atrocities, which I don't think they really care about, to disarm Americans. And they use these atrocities to get people emotionally revved up. And when you're emotionally revved up, you're not logical. You're not thinking about why something works or doesn't work. You just hear the politician or the president say, gun laws are what created this. And you believe it. And then you go to your local... Uh, voting center and you vote for even stricter gun laws. When that is misinformation, what people don't realize is that they're voting for this to happen more. They have researched this and have found that most mass shooters pick places that have anti-gun laws in place, like schools. Now, what is more likely to happen when when someone is a mass shooter? Are they going to go to the school that says, (laughs) no firearms are on-premises? 
Or are they going to go to the school that says our teachers are armed and trained and will use lethal force on anyone that is a threat to the people at this facility? Which one do you think they're going to go to? If, if their goal, objectively, is to kill people, and that goal is obviously hampered by people protecting the facility that are armed, then that doesn't make sense for them to go there. It makes sense for them to go to the place that has a clear sign there are no firearms in this premises. And so when we pass yeah, we these pre- laws, we are making, we are creating more of these situations. And the reason it's, it makes me so distraught and emotional is that passing these laws is going to create this to happen more. And I feel like it's yeah. my duty to pr- protect the children of our future by standing up and telling people and giving them this information that this isn't up for debate. This isn't an opinion. This is a mathematical constitutional fact that is only getting worse with these laws. And this is what makes the Constitution so beautiful, is that our founding fathers left that shit country of Britain because they took their guns away, and it created corruption. The politicians don't care about children's lives, in my, in my opinion. They care about controlling you, and when they take away your Second Amendment, they can do that. And they're already attacking your freedom of speech. Right. And we have to be very careful. And yeah. if you care about children's lives, you, I think that people would care about being able to protect them at the school, not taking away even more means of protecting well, them. Well, right. You know, and countries protect the things that they value, right? So we protect uh, the president. Actually, we, we put up fences around the White House with the National Guard for a while there um, to protect the president and vice president. Um, we, uh, we post armed security guards in banks to protect our money. We, uh, we post, uh, armed security guards, um, in, uh, in sometimes in malls. Um, but our children who are perhaps the most important resource, um, and hold the most value, uh, per family are, Complete, are left completely undefended. In fact, we'll put signs up saying this is a gun-free zone. Yeah. I mean, you have got to be kidding me. As long as we are going to ignore the mental health issues as the core reason, you know, why these things happen, and continue to put stigmas on uh, mental health issues, um, we we simply cannot afford to rally around um, anti-gun legislation. We need less gun uh, legislation. We need less regulation. And we need to start spending money on protecting our children. Um, I, I, I fail to see, I, f- I fail to understand any argument against that. Because I, the schools it's just who, uh, exactly. whose principles principals are carrying you know i was reading one article where they hired a, they hired a, a vet you know he was a combat veteran um you know sound guy you know well-grounded um mm-hmm. fully versed in how to use and operate firearms um he had seen combat and they 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 have a bottleneck entrance to the school and they put him there that's what makes sense to me you have one in and out, um, barring you know fire and emergency exits, which should be locked at all times. And you put a guy there. 
Mm-hmm. And then this 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 doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> it's like objectively, it's know. not even an opinion. It's not even political. It's constitutional. And if anybody in this country doesn't defend the Constitution or understand why the Constitution is important, which they're not teaching in schools, which is they're yeah. they're teaching you that you're bad if you're born with a certain color of skin. They're teaching you that you're bad if you're born. Uh, in any certain way, or that you're better than others if you're born a certain way, but they don't teach you of why our country was founded and what makes it so great. And it is your duty as an American citizen, if you appreciate the freedoms that you have, that you might take for granted, I encourage you to read about the Constitution and learn why it is important. Why were our founding yeah. fathers willing to die for this country? Why were they willing to die for a future that they would never see? To see the beauty of a tree that they planted uh, but can never see grow. What, what was yeah. so important for them? And when you understand the Constitution, the God-given right of our freedom, and understanding how God was part of our country, I don't care. It's just the fact of the matter. Until you understand yeah. that, you can't defend your country. And so when you're well, voting pe- for things you don't understand, it creates these situations. Yeah, people need to educate themselves on firearms, too. So that when news reporters say dumb things, like they showed a video of this guy uh, blowing up a melon with a 12-gauge shotgun, and the reporter called it an AR-15. It's like, that's just dumb. It's commonplace for these to get it so wrong. It's dumb. And then you have our president who says that, you know, you get shot with a 22, and, you know, you ought to be able to pull that out, but you get shot in the lung with a nine millimeter and it blows the lung out of your body. It's like, oh, you, <laughs> you guys should explain that for people who don't understand. Cause like, I don't know what those different guns are, what that even means, you know? Yeah. Well, calibers are important and, and most of the caliber weapons that will do that kind of damage are outside the price point of your, which is one thing that we should talk about too. Don't let me forget is how this kid managed to spend five grand on um, weapons and ammo. But anyway, mm. um, uh, a twenty-two is a small round. Uh, you know, it's a uh, it's supersonic, makes a loud crack when you fire it. It breaks the sound barrier, mm. um, but it's a small round, and yes, it will kill you uh, if you're hit in a in a, in a, uh, a vital organ. Uh, like anything else, any other bullet or arrow or bolt or whatever, whatever ammunition you're launching at somebody, whether it's off of a, you know, out of a handgun or rifle or a trebuchet, um, a nine millimeter bullet is is a is a standard ammunition. Well, was a standard ammunition for for police officers. So that that that, would, that should be a a good starting point for understanding nine millimeter. Um, the next step up would be um, like 40 cal, uh, which will do significantly more damage. Uh, it's kind of an odd round, um, so it is a bit more expensive. And then from there you go 45. And, th- and there are different ammunition runs a huge spectrum. And, 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 and some of the firearms that people collect um, hold these like super rare ammunitions. That's why they're collector's items. Mm. Um, up from that, you have your 50 caliber, which is fired out of rifles and only 
very few handguns. So the Israeli arms um, Desert Eagle, which is the most popular, well-known um, handgun that fires a 50 caliber round, which uh, was in Boondock Saints. The guy was shooting through concrete with it. Mm. Um, that will blow your lung out of your body. A 9mm round, um, generally speaking, won't even stop uh, an aggressor right away. Mm. Um, the, uh, the stopping power of a 9mm round um, just isn't there. That's, it's, um, that's why you have to shoot them multiple times. That's why police officers are discharging their weapons so, so frequently because uh, 9mm just doesn't have that kind of stopping power. Um, I think m most, I think, I think the army just switched, uh, sidearms. They were carrying 1911s, but now they're, they're carrying, um, SIG, SIG Sours, which I, I think are chambered 40, mm. but, um, but, but I'm not positive on that. Anyway, there's... And then amongst those calibers of bullets, you have like range rounds, which are, you know, just general brass. Then you have like your your uh, your jacketed rounds, which means that there's some kind of a, a plating around the bullet. Um, you have hollow point rounds, which, you know, the, the center of, of the bullet, you know, has a, a concave depression in it, which uh, allows the bullet to uh, not only hit harder, but it it will break apart and do more damage. Um, there is a, it's, this is not like, <laughs> there's a lot there. Yeah. And, and you really need to, to sit down and figure out some of these things. Like I sat down one day just to figure out what ACP was. And it's, it's nothing more than just a brand of ammo um, that came out after World War II. Well, they used to have this education in our school systems. Did they? Wow. Yeah, used to there was there there was, was a point where you could this learn. In the school, and I was like, God, that would be so helpful because it's it's technical. Yeah, once yeah. upon a time, even even high schoolers once upon a time would have hunting rifles in their truck rack in the cab of their truck mm. parked at school. Mm. Yeah, no I, mass shootings I, were happening in these times. Mm. So, yeah. I, 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 education <laughs> about the Constitution, which entails firearms, is paramount to keeping a country. Uh, peer in the sense that our founding fathers uh, represented it to be. Yeah. Right. And our founding fathers n never intended for the Second Amendment to have anything to do with hunting. 100% has nothing to do with hunting. So whenever you hear a politician say, well, you don't need 50 rounds to stop a deer, it's like, well, that's because the Second Amendment wasn't written in the context of hunting. It wasn't written for deer. <laughs> Right. That's right. It wasn't written for deer. The Second Amendment was written for two reasons. Uh, one, if every citizen owns a firearm, knows how to use it, then you have a very low percentage of, <clears throat> of foreign powers who are willing to invade this country. Like in World War II, Japan even said, um, I think it was one of the admirals, he said, no intention of landing on American soil because there was a gun behind every blade of grass. Famous um, quote. Secondly, it is the people's responsibility to overthrow a tyrannical government. And that is one of the core reasons why the Second Amendment is there. 
and one of the core reasons why it says it shall not be infringed. The federal mm. government has no right to disarm the people because the people are, hold the government in check. Mm. You ever heard the saying, If the government John, has all the guns, then that's it. You ever heard the saying of uh, what the Second Amendment's for? Is that Dave Chappelle? Probably. It's Dave for when the First Amendment doesn't work. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Which, honestly, I love, right? Because it's like we're not talking what about jumping to violence right away. We're talking about having discourse, having the freedom of speech to be able to talk about things. And then if right. that's not working, if, if, if push comes to shove, then there's the Second Amendment. Yeah, which is constitutional. It's not coming from my mouth. I mean, I didn't create it is what I'm saying. We're just talking about basic rights. And if you don't like it, the beauty of our country is it's not like China. You can move out. Get the fuck out. Go move to China where you want your fucking freedom of speech controlled and you don't want to have rights. You know what I mean? Actually, you could go You could go north to Canada because Trudeau said that they were just <laughs> um, introducing legislation to freeze all handgun um, sales in in canada so not only will are they going to freeze um transactions imports exports and uh and sales but he was talking about a full disarmament of the people well he's openly talked about how he supports china and respects them he's been cozying up in fact didn't he have chinese armed uh, militia on his in his on his soil recently well, a few years ago, it was a big deal because um, the Chinese military w- were uh, holding war games, I think, in British Columbia. Yeah. And so what are war games? What is that? Training to kill us. It's training. Yeah, training. But it's called right. war games, like the Hunger Games? Yeah, we, we do the same thing. And we and the United States is, is marvelous at doing this just to upset... Um, and and cause emotion from other countries. I mean, we were famous for doing it. Huh. We would do it. You know, we would hold war games around Cuba. We uh, would hold uh, you know NATO war games close to the border with Russia. Um, it, we do them in the South China Sea. Like it's it's uh, war games is just a it's a tact. It's is a it like an tactic. intimidation tactic? Um, sometimes sometimes they're legit. Like they're just prepping troops and you have um, you know allied nations get together and they put their troops against each other and they train Ah, Um, there is some there is some merit to it Um, Mm. but it is also a a political tool to try to train the soldiers yeah yeah they'll they stage things like they'll put guys out there you know and uh, you have to move to this objective without getting seen just simple stuff. Okay. Well, not simple, but like, right, you know, like right. very, very basic strategic tactics. Right. Yeah. Okay. OJT, on-the-job training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, to circle back, I wanted to circle back to, so I, this is, you know, the whole, the whole gun thing is, is a new terrain for me and, and has been for a while now, but I've been spending more time thinking about the, the merit of guns and of citizens being armed. Am I not close enough? No, this is great. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry it took this long. I really want to bring Michaela in. Mm-hmm. I think she has wonderful insights on this. Would you just like to share, I think you were already going to, mm-hmm. but would you just like to share uh, sort of this, uh, the schools or even just the belief systems you've come from 
um, with the places you've lived and mm-hmm. kind of talk about your experience there and then where you're at now and just mm-hmm. what how, genuinely how you see mm-hmm. all of this. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. Thank you that you expanded what I was going to touch on. Well, <clears throat> and I can, and I can get more into that in a moment, but just to make it more about the, how do you say the name of the town? Uvald? Uvald? Is that the name of the town in Texas? Is that the right pronounce? Uvald? Uvald. Is that right, John? I don't know. Uvald. Let's all say it wrong. Uvald. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's I think it. it's close enough. We know what we're talking about. Yeah. That's the important part. Yeah. Keeve. Um, something that was new for me that I learned, you know, from Dylan was this whole idea of the less armed places are where mass shootings happen the most often. And so that was that's something that's been kind of in my awareness with all of this. And it makes so much sense to me. It makes so much sense. And when I was reading up about this recent mass shooting in Texas, one of the reports I was reading was bringing up other mass shootings that had happened in schools in particular. Now, of course, there's the one in Connecticut. Um, but then there were quite a few listed that were in Texas. And I was like, wait, Texas is a free state when it comes to the citizens being able to be armed. So why why is this happening in all these Texas schools? That really confused me. And I asked Dylan about it, and he was like, oh, well, because on a federal level, correct me if I'm wrong, schools are gun-free zones. And I was like, yeah, but then why aren't they, aren't, why aren't they guarded? Why, why, is, why are they completely unprotected? Especially in states where they understand the merit of arms as protection for the home and you know your loved ones and all of that and um and were you saying it was rogan o'hanley had said the budget used for even a partial amount of the budget of what we sent overseas to ukraine could have been used to arm Mm. and have armed guards for all the schools all the public schools right because that costs money that's what i was saying i was like man the federal government yeah i remember that that, then then that's a hundred and thirty Hundred and thirty thousand schools, um, give or take, in the United States, mm-hmm. and we send forty billion dollars to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, that money could be used to give each of those schools about four hundred thousand uh, dollars for security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but the thing to me, it's like, well, wait, why would the federal government want to basically create a higher expense for public schools to be safe? Because Without that law, then the teachers, the principal, and maybe one or two hired people, but but maybe not even that. Maybe it's just the teachers who work there are all armed and trained. That that cost, that overhead, that's less personnel. Why not have that be the status quo? And so, not not all teachers are on board. Yeah. A, a lot of teachers are um, are super liberal and anti-gun. So. Yeah. There's some roadblocks with that idea. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm more in in line with putting uh, using our veterans. Mm. Um, yeah. To uh, to defend schools. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, well, I think having, that's the yeah. best art. I think that's the best. Yeah. Uh, approach. Well, but I imagine, let's call it. You know, maybe it's 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. If if the because part of it is a paradigm that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And so if it's that the teachers and principal or whoever can be armed if they want to be, and then there's a guard, maybe it's a veteran, just hypothetically, this is like a thought experiment. Yeah. Then I imagine that it could be that as time goes on, other teachers are like, you know what? 
I do see the merit. You know what? It does. It, I, I do feel grateful that you have that. And I'd like to be a source of that comfort and security for my classroom or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other thing to circle back and with this whole Texas shooting, I thought it was so interesting, Dylan, when you shared. And it took it must have taken some digging because I, I looked at multiple articles and I did not see um, this piece of information, but that the shooter, this 18 year old boy, was stopped by a civilian who was maybe like he was off duty, some kind, what was it, Dylan? Well, the initial reports I read said that there was an off duty border patrol officer uh, that was around the scene and that he was, the initial report said that he was the one who disabled and killed the shooter. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still the story because it seems like a lot of different stories have come out since then. Weird. So, John, do you have an update on that? I don't. I don't. It's one of these things that we're waiting to uh, for all of the information to come out. Is it that he was That was the initial killed? report, though. He was killed. Was it? Right. But I yeah, haven't he's seen. Dead. Shooter's dead. Yeah, shooter's dead. So the initial report I read was that uh, there was an armed citizen around the scene who showed up and killed the shooter. We don't know with all. Uh, they're not releasing information like they should be. Their stories are no. seemingly being changed. So we don't know what happened yeah. there. But I, it's a lot of weird stuff. So but to interject just really quickly, and then, Michaela, I would love you to continue. You don't get to be a cop if you're not willing to carry a gun. Mm-hmm. You're just not considered sane for the job. You're not considered a logical human being. If you want to be a teacher and you're not willing to defend children, you know what? Then you don't get to be a teacher in my mind. Go do something else. If you want to be a teacher, that means you're in charge of those kids. And if you are not willing to defend yourself and understand the basic logic that you are now a protector and a teacher, then pick another job. Do some online tutoring. Do something where you're not physically in charge of those kids. Because if I have a child who's in the room with a teacher who doesn't believe in guns, if somebody goes in there with a gun, it doesn't matter if that teacher believes in guns or not, they can still be killed by that gun. Mm. So if you get a teacher that is so out of their fucking minds that they think their belief in guns is going to stop them from being killed, then that is not a sane human being. And I know it's a strong stance, and guess what? Strength is what defends children. Strength is what founded our country. I would raise that, too, and say that if you're going to carry a gun, like if you're going to go out of your way to get the proper licensure to carry a gun, Mm -hmm. then... You have just, just like if you take first aid CPR AED training, you are now qualified and obligated to get in, involved. Mm-hmm. If you're going to carry a gun, then you're going you're gonna to defend people. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. You're a police officer, a teacher, or average Joe on the street, Joe Blow. If you're going to carry a gun, then you have made a decision to, to protect people. From right. crazy people, because there are a lot of crazy people in the world, not just this country, but all over the world. Right. And when you sign By the on way, to become mass, a teacher, mass shootings you're a protector. Are, yeah, aren't they are not like the United States is not the only country to have mass shootings. Right. Um, we were one of the highest, um, but you know that that is a that the reason for that is a bit longer discussion. I think we have time for, but. But like Yemen, Canada, China, China—they don't have any guns, so they just run around with knives and just stab people. Like you're, 
You're never going to stop crazy people from doing crazy things with whatever weapon they can find. Right. Yeah. The, the, and that- the basis should be to attack the craziness, not the people or the weapons. Right. Yeah. I think that's such a beautiful point, John. And I think part of the uh, kind of paradigm that I come from based on you know, being in more liberal environments and schools all throughout my life is kind of that utopia note of let's just let's just eradicate guns like let's not even encourage us to understand what those are or how they work and it's almost like any any talk about guns was just like i just remember this feeling growing up of like oh they're so bad like that's so it's such a mean thing it's so violent like inherently like there's i i never saw the the value or the merit and in a way it's like i never even fully understood how guns are part of what created the freedom that I experience now. Like there's there's just this way that, it's like, what is that pulling the, the wool over your eyes? Like just not wanting to really face the reality of all those parts, all those different aspects. And and so I feel, I feel that with a lot of these gun laws of just like, people get so upset and so passionate. It's like they just want to eliminate guns altogether because they think that's the solution. Yeah. But you can't unring I, a bell, guns exist. And like you right. said, crazy people, if we're not addressing the craziness, crazy people are going to be out there. And and I don't know if we could ever fully, completely address all the craziness that exists. I still think even if we had really great systems to support people if they were mentally ill, uh, we'd still have people who <laughs> found, found a way out of the system and who would seek out, you know, weapons illegally or in whatever format they're able to and have them. Like, it's like it's always going to exist. So I think... Part of the the rather, well, it felt gentle, but it can sometimes feel like a rude awakening of realizing, oh, guns do exist. They're not going anywhere. And how do we want to control the people who are unwell who are using them? And and being armed and being educated, I, I see that educated about guns does seem to me like the best option it's like here we are we're in reality where guns exist so we need to be able to meet them with like the good people need to be able to match the crazy people right yeah evil wins when evil's victorious when good men do nothing yeah and that's and we see that that's i mean that's literally you could use that to describe what happened at that school good men couldn't do anything and then for whatever reason the police didn't do that that really is horrifying that's new that to was me. shocking well then to me. that's really shocking yeah what really blew me away was that when parents showed up you know to get their kids mm. like they were handcuffing them tasing them um what? like yeah you it get yeah unreal. yeah yeah there was a one mother was handcuffed. She got out of her handcuffs. She jumped the fence, ran inside, grabbed her kids, and ran out with her kids. Hero mom. Yeah. Right? What mama, the fuck mama is bear. that? Why, why were they doing that? I have a lot of respect for police, but you know what? I'm not someone I, who I sits get... in camps. They, they fucked up there. They fucked up. Yeah. It, it never should have gotten to the point where the parents needed to go in. Right. If you if the parents if the parents when the parents show up, it's too late. You've missed. Was, I get I get not still, wanting the parents to go active? in there. 
when when yes the, oh damn yeah. that's intense so i i get not wanting to introduce like more people to a bad situation yeah but the bad situation shouldn't have been going on when more no. people showed up no yeah oh my gosh and, and this I was could shortly after they I... had had yeah this was shortly after they had just completed a um a, a uh, active shooter training simulation the kids or the cops no the police wow the local police they had body armor the best weapons available to cops they were ready to go and they fucked up and i'm really disappointed in them yeah i'm really disappointed in them you know if a parent wants to put their life at risk to save their children because the cops are too fucking chicken shit to do it then that's that parent's right that's right it's their life, yep. not theirs. So fuck them for 100%. doing that. 100%. Um, Michaela, how did you come to the point where you had this, this um, transition's a testy word, but this transition of, of, of your state of mind where you saw the logic of it? How did that come about for you? Mm-hmm. I know you've touched on it, but is there anything else you'd like to elaborate on that point? You know, well, I think part of it for me was just talking about it more and you know, I've always been curious about firearms and guns because it's, you know, it seems like they're cool. They're kind of badass. Like I was like, oh, that's kind of cool stuff. But then I also felt all this uh, kind of shyness and fear about them because it felt like they symbolized evil and symbolized people who, um, like it's, it's like I really, it's like all of a sudden, or maybe not all of a sudden, maybe it was more incremental. I could see clearly all these negative associations I had with guns and how those weren't true and how... The, that idea was basically in place to try to control me. And so all these associations with guns as being like people who are ignorant, people who are violent, people who want to be violent, people who want to spread fear. It was just like this really gross, scary kind of narrative about anybody who cares about guns being like a, a source and a force for evil. And to really... Yeah think about it more in depth and realize like, wait, I, I've known many people who are good, who have firearms. So it's like, okay, that started to kind of chip away. I, you know, I lived in Texas for a while. I was, you know, around families more with hunting. You know, I, I imagine there were probably families who had, you know, more self, self-defense, home defense type of firearms, but probably didn't share that as openly as they shared about their hunting rifles and things like that. And, um, and then I think expanding that out to realizing like all these examples of civilians who stopped mass shootings, you know, like in that church, I think that was one of the Which examples. Which the media didn't cover. Yeah. And then right. I think too, I was actually reading Brene Brown's book about into the wilderness or braving, braving the wilderness. Uh, and she was talking about how she grew up, you know, with guns in her family and like, and she's one of the rare people who doesn't fit into either camp of like the whole you know nra super pro gun or the people who were like let's abolish guns and all of that and how how often she would interact with people who are so deeply steeped in their camp that they can't even consider any any middle ground and she was using that as an example for this part of her book where she talked about the psychology of you're either with us or you're against us and she's like, that shows up so often when it comes to gun laws and gun arguments. And that was so interesting to me too, to in a way have her shine light on how, um, how, how rigid 
the ideas are around all of it. And so that to me, anytime there's that level of rigidity or kind of absolute ism <laughs> about things, it makes me right. curious because it seems like there isn't, it isn't that there's been deep inquiry and an investigation of finding the truth, but the people somehow stopped short and they got really upset and then they just found anything that would reinforce what they wanted to believe about it. And, um, and so that's where I started to kind of distrust, um, in a way, some of the, the group or the camp that I, I was surrounded by most of my life. And, um, and then looking at the data, it's like, wait, but if we really care about the children, if we really care about the innocent people just trying to go to a concert, if we really care, right after I moved away from Boulder, Colorado, there was that mass shooting in the grocery store. And that's a grocery store I went to. And, you know, there was this way in Boulder and this, this is so, this is so, I think it's hard to fully describe this psychology, but Boulder, it felt kind of like it's untouchable. You know, it's this town that's just all these like liberal and like wealthy people who are just like having a good time. We've got all the nature we want. We have beautiful homes. We have cool restaurants. We have cool parks like everything's like cool and awesome and we're safe and we all agree and you know like we're all just doing doing what we feel is right and we it was so interesting too with with so many issues there's just a way that we were insulated we were getting all the benefits of certain things but then um anyway it gets into other stuff but when it comes to guns to me it was so shocking that that happened in boulder because but that even added to this waking up for me because it was like wait a second that always was a potential that always existed but there's this idea of we're fine everything's fine because we're all we're all good people and we don't have guns and almost this idea that somehow by us not having guns we'd repel anybody who has a gun like it's 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 not sane it's not a sane psychology but it gets in there really deep so where do you stand now? Where do I stand now? I mean, what do you see as uh, best foot forward in this <laughs> predicament? Well, I still do. You know, I don't understand all the laws that have been passed around guns and all the laws that are trying to be passed. It seems like sometimes they're, they're, you know, there's so much technicality around all of it. But it, but it is interesting to, I think about two levels. I think about there's what's legal, but then I also think about what feels socially acceptable because I think those two things control the populace. It's not just what's legally an option. It's also what feels acceptable to your social group. And that's why I was talking about earlier about the like, oh, well, what about 20 years from now? If, if we put it in place that teachers can be armed, how's that going to impact us 20 years from now where that's just become normal? That just be, feels like, oh yeah, well, of course the principal has a gun. Let's go to the principal's office because we need that. We need, we need the principal to do something, you know, or whatever it is. Um, so going back to your question, where do I stand now? I think, I, I think I'm still learning. I'm still learning about all of it. And to me though, it, it doesn't make sense to make it harder for well-intentioned, healthy individuals to get guns. Mm -hmm. But I think in a way I'm able to speak more to and to care more easily about the social side of it, of not, that, that, like I really wanna break down this stereotype that people who 
use guns and who are gun owners are ignorant or or you know like violence mongering people but to see them as you know the the healthy protectors who understand the world and want to keep their community and their loved ones safe and so that that to me feels like a really important shift and and like something that needs to be talked about more and because i even think about in the media the the examples that we have of you know oh oh the person who has a gun is like this and the person who doesn't have a gun is like this and um so that so i care about that but yeah i i i don't like the idea of our government making it harder for like i said well well well-meaning citizens to arm themselves I love that. How does this sound to you? I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Coming on to the show and sharing that, Michaela. Thanks. Thanks. I, I really respect and appreciate both of your opinions. So now that we're coming up to a wrap, here's something that I see as being a plan that we could go forward with that I believe our politicians could band together to pass relatively quickly. Mm. And I'd like to hear both of your thoughts on it. Okay. Something that would work, something that's not hard to implement. And it has a few things. Each teacher from now on is treated as someone who's willing to be a protector. They're trained in some regards like a cop. If they're not willing to carry a gun, then they're not seen as responsible to protect the children that they are in charge of. Every teacher, every principal is trained, goes through background checks, mental health checks, and is armed. And if, you, if, you, if you're not willing to do that, it's like a cop or the military. That's just not the job for you. Now, you can do tutoring online. There's online coaching. There's things you could do if you want to teach people where you're not in charge of physical children. Mm. Because whether you believe in guns or not, somebody can still enter your classroom with a gun. And if you're not willing to protect the kids, you're not responsible. You don't see things logically. Do something online. Do something where you're not physically. I, the the issue I'm having with that in my head, at least at this point, is it's already so hard for us to find good teachers, it seems. Um, and like there is a... It seems like there's a shortage of teachers. So if the requirements for teachers increases, that feels like, oh, man, I don't know. That brings me to another good point that I wouldn't have realized without you saying this. My stepmom is a teacher. I've known teachers. They are miserable because they're underpaid and they buy their own classroom supplies. Double the pay. Each teacher makes $100,000 a year. That's it. There's enough money to do it. Instead of sending that tax money to Ukraine to kill people, that's not our war. We pay teachers what they're, what they're, what they're owed. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you if you double the pay of teachers, you're going to have more quali- qualified military veterans even trying to become teachers because they have things to teach. Mm-hmm. Number two, right? So that brings money back to the American Whoa, people. That was such a beautiful vision to imagine veterans becoming like almost like the second wave of their career. I would love a veteran to teach me history Whoa. who I know can protect me if somebody comes in there. Number two, you have armed military veterans also guarding the school. And each school is designed in a way where you do have a choke point, which John beautifully illustrated. Mm -hmm. It's treated like it's a secure place. Mm -hmm. The Pentagon is made secure. We can do that with children's schools. Mm -hmm. It's architecturally viable. It doesn't cost any more money to design it in a defense-concentric way. That's number two. Number three, every school is given a Constitution class. You are taught the Constitution without political bias. You are taught why the Constitution was made, what makes it so important, Mm. and the fact that it can never be taken away. Mm. The reason it can't be taken away and why we as American citizens should feel inclined to defend it if we want to remain in this country. Mm. The appreciation. Mm. 
Number four, firearms classes in every school. Teaching kids how, just like they have driving classes. Mm -hmm. Teach kids how to drive, teach kids how to use tools mm -hmm. for repairing homes, teach kids how to use taxes, and teach kids about firearms. Because mm -hmm. a lot of shootings are people just misusing them in their own home. Mm -hmm. Accidental right. discharges. Right. Okay, and number five, uh, and lastly, the Constitution is the Constitution. It's not a debate. That's the thing, it's not a law, it's the Constitution. What you can talk about is why it's important. What you can't do is take it away. You can move out of the country, you can not like it, but you can't take it away. So the passing of any law that prevents a citizen, especially in Chicago where they have the most murders, uh, that takes away people's ability to have firearms, if they're mentally healthy, um, is unconstitutional, and that needs to be addressed. I think if all five of those things would be addressed, mass shootings would base virtually be non-existent in schools. I, I really believe that, well, and I, I'm curious on what you both think. Well, I think this reminds me of a point you made earlier, John, that I think is maybe one of the most beautiful and salient points in this whole conversation is we do protect the things that we care about or the things that we value. We and, and this is something you pointed out to me many times, Dylan, that you know, the celebrities who are super anti-gun are protected by guns day and night. Our president is protected by guns day and night. Like the things that we value are protected. And so I love the idea of having some form of protecting children and the teachers who, who basically, you know, introduce them to a whole aspect of the world that they need to know about, you know, all those things that they learn in school. Um, I, I do think that the first thing you mentioned about the teachers being armed, even though I, I, I know I brought that, that idea and I like it, I think that requiring that could be hard. I think that could, that would need to probably be like a longer, like f maybe if there were phases to this plan, I think that could be like a mm. more long-term phase part of it. But I, I think all the other parts feel like they could be brought in relatively quickly, at least to my knowledge. Um, and especially, I, I, you know, the idea of, of giving veterans like deeply meaningful work when they come back from serving to me is very heartwarming um, because I think the, you know, it's just, it's just a lot that they go through. And so to have a sense of purpose that, that plays to their skills that they've developed, um, I imagine that that could be really uh, life affirming for them. So that, that brings me joy and what a mutually beneficial idea too that it could help the kids and all of that so those are my initial thoughts I'm sure I'd have more if I had taken notes on everything you said <laughs> what about you John what do you think yeah I, it's a good plan I think um, probably the most feasible is upgrading each school to be uh, more defensible and then putting you know proper armed security in place mm -hmm. um, to defend those points is what makes the most sense to me yeah. um, yeah, absolutely. We we teach our kids that um, that they're we're, we're created by you know as a mistake, as a random chance that they they have they're, that they're just animals, mm -hmm. that they somehow you know evolved from an ape. Um, we teach them that there's no authority, there's no real authority. Uh, we teach them that um, you know how they love themselves is paramount among. Um, you know, among all things, um, we take away uh, their ability to understand love and compassion in the context of evil and cruelty. 
And then we wonder why these kids lose their minds mm. and resort to violence when, they re- when, when they've reached their wit's end. For me, the, the core solution to all of this is reintroducing children uh, to the gospel and to the message of Jesus, um, to understand that they are not a mistake, that they were created for a purpose and, uh, and for a reason, that they were wonderfully and fearfully made, um, each and every single one, and that they're born with the ability to have a relationship with their creator. Um, to ground them in this, and then it doesn't everything else sorts itself out. When you have a relationship with with the thing that created you, then you can find solutions to all of your answers, to all of your questions. Um, for me, introducing children back into the idea that that they are loved regardless of their situation is uh, it would be the most palatable and fastest solution um, to solving what appears to be a rapidly um, increasing instances of, of mental illness. And, I, and I'm not really sure it's mental illness as much as it is just, just kids who are, have lost their way with nobody to turn to. I mean, I, I don't know anything about this, this, uh, this man-child yet that shot up this school but things will come out, you know, um, and it'd be interesting to see um, what his life was like. Because when you don't have anybody to turn to, you're going to find your own way. And yeah. if you don't teach your kids, then the world will teach them for you. Well, and that, that brings us to that whole side that, you know, you were mentioning earlier, John, which is probably basically a whole other podcast episode about the mental illness side of all of this and and what creates that. I know, um, I forget who it was, but I remember reading a book talking about this woman who worked specifically with men who had sexually assaulted women and that, that her, you know, she was just really trying to understand the psychology of what went on, what went on for these men in their childhood and their, you know, adolescence and all of that that shaped them into into feeling that that was okay or into even wanting to pursue sexual violence towards women. And to me, that is that is one of the bravest and, and kind of most, I don't know, it's like kind of getting straight to the point, right? Rather than trying to just defend. It's, it's another aspect. It's another layer of how to keep our communities healthy is, okay, well, let's, let's figure out how to protect ourselves, but let's also try to get to the root of why this problem's happening um, so that we can at least... Mm you know, shift that. And so I, I think what you're saying, John, is really, it's really insightful and beautiful of understanding, um, what our kids are learning as they grow up, what, what ideas they're being introduced to and, and the impact that that can have on them, both short-term and long-term. Yeah. I think the journey of finding God is what our country was founded on. And I think that takes it, I'm talking specifics about schools, things that politicians can do. But what you're talking about, John, is what Michaela and I discuss often, and that's finding your purpose in life, finding, listening to God, having a, a moment of prayer, and to find the humility to ask your Creator what you're meant to be doing and to feel His love. And uh, the fact that is 
that that's actively trying to be pushed out of our country to me explains uh, well you can't push god out you can think you are but god resides everywhere <laughs> but the the thing is is that we've learned this in the bible with israel that when they would start to sacrifice their children which you could say is what our country's doing Oof. you can really use this analogy in the same way that israel sacrificed their children and and when these things happened god would punish them because he you know what you can try to push him out but he's there and he's going to answer mm. he's going to you're going to have an answer for the things you decide to do whether you believe in god or not and this isn't a religious thing i i'm not even a religious person uh, I, I believe in God, and I believe in the creator of all of this. I do not believe we're an accident like John does. And when you try to do this, there is an answer. When you try to take God out of a place, there is an answer there waiting for you. And I see a very similar story as these people who sacrificed their children. Children have died, and we are relying on corruption to try to fix an issue. To, to fix an issue. Uh, corruption is never the answer. God is the ultimate answer. I have, and right. as far as mental illness goes, it's an interesting story. It wasn't until I, I got on, I got on my knees. I went to a place in the in the forest. I, I went to a place of solitude, and I started asking God what I was meant to be doing. I didn't feel right, and through these insights, all of a sudden, I had all these surgeries. I was in pain all the time. I didn't feel good. I had, I started finding all these things online, like these these healing peptides that can heal my shoulders. And I started finding these diets that could fix my gut and get the glyphosate out. I met this beautiful woman who taught me about glyphosate. See, when you pray, you're answered in, in mysterious ways. And all of a sudden, I feel healed mentally, physically, and spiritually. And so when you ask for things, it's not like, I mean, it could, but it's not often that it comes down in a beam of light and you're healed immediately. Maybe it's a person right, that yeah, enters right. your life. Maybe it's your inclination. Well, maybe I'll just Google this and, and look something up and you find these peptides that can heal your shoulders and you can, you can pick up a gallon of milk again. The, my life was changed when I gave myself over to God. And we don't know exactly to a pinpoint who God is. We are not God did not intend for us to know all of the answers. That's the beauty of what faith is, right? I mean, right. that really is the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. But we can feel his love. We can feel the love of God. And when you feel that love, you start to have love for his creation, which is you. You are not an accident. You are loved. And there are beautiful things about you. And so when we talk about how people might not be happy because they're overweight, when we talk about how people might not be happy because they have this opinion on guns and, hey, maybe this is how kids even get more, more injured. Mm -hmm. We're talking out of love. We're saying that perhaps you don't see the beauty of your own heart. Let's say you're overweight. Perhaps you're overweight and you're mentally ill because you're sucking up glyphosate and seed oils and you feel bad all the time and you have artificial sweeteners living in your gut and you have gut dysbiosis, which creates brain dysbiosis. You're, that's what they're calling mentally ill. There's no such thing as mental illness. There's people on bad diets. There is no such thing as mental illness as, uh, as described in the DSM-4, which is the book that describes uh, mental illness and the medications you give. I've taken all the medications. I've learned about this shit. I have a whole story I'd eventually like to share. They just make problems worse in my opinion. What we have is a, a diet problem, what we have is a spiritual problem, and what we have is an inactive, sedentary, physical problem. 
And you'll soon find that these mental illnesses, quote unquote, start to disappear when you get the glyphosate out of your diet. When you start to eat meat, when you start to eat fresh fruit, when you start to get out and get sunlight and you get your hormones fixed and you get the microplastics out of your systems and you're not an estrogen dominant male who doesn't know why he's depressed. Well, you have no testosterone because the microplastics from a technology destroyed them. You have no identity because the glyphosate literally is creating a gut dysbiosis that literally, look up Dr. Zach Bush, makes you not even know who you are, which can be described as a quote-unquote mental illness. And then you take a medication that further puts you in dysbiosis. It further messes with your hormones and your endocrine system and your chemical imbalances neurologically. I think if we tackle these issues... Uh, we'll start to see a lot of these quote-unquote illnesses disappear. Mm. It's not fat mm. shaming. We're saying that, hey, maybe you're depressed because you're eating Cheetos all the time, which isn't even food. <laughs> you know? They're so good, though. They're so good, though. They were made to be that way. So is crack cocaine. <laughs> you know? I know, so that's I'm, good, too. That's what I'm saying. Uh, you know? So, so I, good, though. I love you guys, and I don't want you to feel bad. If you feel bad, yeah, uh, then it means you're not making a change. So, okay, I want you to feel bad if that feels right. If you feel bad, there's probably a reason for it. But don't stay there. Make a decision to stop eating the Cheetos. Look up Dr. Paul Saladino, Dr. Zach Bush, right? Dr. Sean Baker. Start moving your body. Feel good, right? And, and, and take charge of your life. We are meant to feel bad. We are meant to feel shame sometimes. We are meant to feel sadness. Just like sometimes it rains. Sometimes there's sunshine. There, there are things that happen in life. We burn our hand and learn that fire is hot. So hmm. you can choose to stay in that pain, but maybe those feelings aren't meant to be, well, hey, doctor, I feel sad, so I need a medication to not feel sad. Have you ever asked yourself why you're feeling sad in the first place? Are you five foot seven and 400 pounds and you can't even get out of bed without being out of breath? So you're gonna take a medication so you don't feel the repercussions of that instead of maybe going on a walk and losing some weight and feeling better all of the time instead of relying on a pill that's made in a factory from petroleum? What do you wanna do with your life? Do you wanna take charge or do you wanna be a victim? Do you wanna rely on things outside of yourself or do you wanna ask God, which is in your heart? You can look in your heart and pray and ask God. It, the decision is yours, but this victim mentality is destroying our country. And, yeah. that, and that's my belief. And I actually think... Yeah, I heard this. Go oh, ahead, John. Go ahead, Michaela. <laughs> We're so oh. polite. No, no, you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, I heard this really great il illustration on guilt. Because uh, I think I think when we talk about all of those things that you covered, Dylan, I think the driving force behind uh, a lot of, a lot of the uh, self-deprecation and... A uh, lack of change comes from uh, comes from guilt, and if you ask somebody what guilt is, they'll tell you that it's that feeling that you've got when you you know you did something wrong, and and that's that's not right. That's not what guilt is. When you touch a hot stove, right, you get burned, and then there's a sensation that goes from your hand up your arm to your brain, and your brain says ow, that's hot. That's, that is the feeling of, of, that is guiltiness, but that is not guilt. Guilt is the burn. That's what guilt is. And people aren't dealing with 
the guilt, they're not dealing with the burn. They're dealing with the sensation of being burnt. And, and I think that's one of the major reasons why uh, people can't break out of their, um, their, their bad habits, uh, their, their bad um, dietary choices and poor nutrition. Mm. Um, is that they're, they're, not dealing, they're, they're not dealing with the guilt. They're only managing the guiltiness. And I, I think that with some education and some encouragement, it can be a huge change in this country. And that's why I love this podcast, because it always circles back every few episodes to, look, go outside, move around, start eating something that's good for you. Here are hundreds of resources for you to achieve that. Go do it. I hear all the time people are like, especially because I'm down so much weight, people really notice and they're like, man, I want to do that. It's like, do you? Do you want to do that? Do you want to do what I've done? Do you really? I don't know that you do. You want what I have achieved. You don't want to do the work because um, it's work. Um, so because I've introduced people to it. And they kind of like hem and haw, and they're like, well, I don't know. well do you want it or not? <laughs> if you want it, take it. It's, it's not like it's being hid from you. Mm. It's just people can't conquer their own inability to deal with guilt rather than their guiltiness. And it's like, just stop mm. feeling the guiltiness and deal with the guilt. Just move on. Just move on. I think that's a really interesting illustration of that point, the difference between guilt and guiltiness. Mm-hmm. And that even changes. Well, that furthers my understanding of it because it's something that I wrestle with and really expound upon with Michaela and I uh, in our deep chats. And I think that these feelings are very educational and that we are meant to have them, uh, not meant to mask them. So I think that's beautifully said. Uh, Michaela, did you have a point you wanted to add? Yeah, I think um, so So much of the time these days I've really been thinking about um, the difference between being in an empowered state of mind and always looking for, okay, remembering that you have choice, remembering that you have freedom, remembering that you are empowered no matter what comes your way, whether it's internal, the internal world or the external world. Whatever arises, you are empowered. So there's that kind of paradigm. And then there's more the paradigm of victimhood, which seems to treat anything that comes up inside and anything that comes up outside as a threat that needs to be eliminated so that the self can be okay. So then, then we're looking for ways to eliminate that by getting, you know, get rid of the guns, get rid of the sad thoughts with this medication, and basically looking for things outside of ourselves to control all these feedback loops, all these sources of pain or whatever it might be. Um, and so anyway, so I've been thinking about life in, in kind of as those two kind of paradigms it seems like people can exist in. And it's so interesting to me how much of the more, like especially the deeply steep liberal um, reality is so about victimhood and that even this idea of of being afraid of guns, that that 
leads to a certain sense of fear, this helplessness, uh, and and even this idea of learned helplessness. Oh, we have to be helpless. We have, guns are scary. We can't even. We aren't even empowered to to move forward with knowing how to protect ourselves. Don't even think about it. Just be scared and wait for, you know, the the. I don't know. So it almost feels like we're trying to treat our government the like our government. family. You know, like like wait yeah. for dad to, to, to handle it. It's like the government will save he's me. He's not your dad. <laughs> That's not your father. Um, and so I think, and and even thinking about all the things you were saying, it's like ah, oh, just to break out of this this like hypnosis state of being afraid all the time, and thinking that we don't have the power. And, and to even bring it back to, you know, more the spiritual side of things of like to think that we're somehow separate from God rather than deeply connected, I think also fuels this sense of terror and this sense of fear that I think can make us be really ugly with how we treat one another and, and even with on the more extremes, right, with the mental illness that can arise from that and the desire to do harm to others. And so... I just I feel so passionate about people feeling empowered and and I'm so grateful that you know you exist Ellen and you exist John and you both are out there saying like if you want it you can have it if you want to feel good you can feel you do have choice you do have power here and um, and I I want people to know that and I want people to take that for themselves and I love seeing any any info any whether it's once again the internal landscape of i don't feel so good or the external landscape of fuck there's scary people out there who are a threat to me and my family in both situations that's really good information you don't want to block out that information you want to know that so you can do something about it mm-hmm. yeah the yesterday i was sitting in my chair I, t- I took sunday off i'm not gonna lie i was a total chair potato <laughs> uh, sunday afternoon it's so and, uh, it is important. So, sometimes it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In so, the right yeah, context, total right? Chair potato. And, and I'm so I'm sitting in my sitting in my chair, and I, I look out. You know, the door's open. The glass storm door is still in. I look out, and there's this there's this guy walking around my truck on my property, and I'm like, I'm. There's lots of lots of scenarios that go through my head instantaneously. Um, and I think I think that that is one of the gifts given to men is their ability to run through every scenario. I mean, it's it's challenging for for women to understand when they ask us a question. Um, you know how how long it takes to answer that question is because we're running through a myriad of scenarios and how the answer to that question will be you know received and and uh, and understood, but. And none of that was I afraid of this man, right? I'm not afraid of him. I don't know who he is. Um, if he's bad, I'm ready. If he's not bad, that's great. It turns out he was just really, really drunk. <laughs> and he, he meandered across my front lawn and back onto the road and down the hill he went, you know, just, you know, two or three steps to the side, left to right, you know, I don't know where he was going. Doesn't matter. Um, but w- without having the ability to to perceive a situation with some objectiveness, instead of instantly being afraid of him, mm. and and that fear then causing me 
to feel like a victim rather than someone who's in control of this situation. Um, that's how we got where we are. That's how. That's exactly how we got where we are. Instead of being able to, you know, objectively look at something in control, people have completely surrendered their ability to think to mainstream media and what the group thinks. Yeah. I hate groupthink. Yes. I don't agree with most groupthink, and I think that most groupthink is controlled by a very small portion of, of people, and and. Yeah. Eckhart Tolle, and, who's yes. like a really um, <laughs> awesome spiritual teacher, uh, talks a lot about, you know, presence and all of that. But he he talks about the hive mind, which is basically groupthink. And he says, anytime you find yourself like hating somebody, hating somebody, and not even really knowing why, but just really, really hating somebody, chances are you're in the hive mind. And, um, and I, I love that so much because I think it really illustrates when we go to this place where it's, it, is, it is like we're hypnotized and we're just thinking what everybody else is thinking, what we've been told to think, and it's super emotional, it's super charged. There's no room to talk about it and, or, or to question it, right? Don't question it, just think, just think it. And that's how people really get about guns. And I think that's part of what... Um, has been my process with waking up out of that is like, wait, I'm just in like a like a hypnotized, fearful place around this. When if I slow down and I get curious and I'm actually able to take in the information and and look at the full picture, what happens then? How how do I want to relate to all of this then? And there's so much more, you know, like you were saying, John. There's so much more empowerment that comes from that. If you don't just jump and get caught in the fear state or the kind of emotional response, but you're able to run through, okay, how, how's, what's, what's going on in this situation? What's all the data that yeah. I can gather about this and how do I want to proceed? Uh, Monkey pox. <laughs> Oogie boogie. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, here we go again. Guns are bad. Well, I appreciate you guys being on. I think we've covered this issue. Uh, Pretty well. Me too. I think I appreciate this round table with with my family here, my brother John and my love. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time to go over this. You guys have different perspectives. Well, you have interesting perspectives that come together and collaborate to paint an idea that I really think can represent a way forward for our country. I appreciate you guys being on. There's new episodes every Monday. I hope you all are doing well. I encourage you, if you really disagree with us or if we say something that makes you feel uh, a fear response or a fight or flight response, I encourage you to know that we're not here to make you feel bad on purpose. We're here to just ask questions. That's what, that's what we're really doing on a grand scale. Is we're asking questions to our audience and asking them to really pray on it, think on it, see what it means to them. I hope that you all are doing well, but I really hope that you're going to continue to move forward in life and evolve and, and not get too set in your thinking and to see things from a new perspective or even a continued perspective that serves you, your family, and those around you. Love you guys. Appreciate you listening to Everyone is Canceled. I'm your host, Dylan Randall, and uh, <laughs> I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm so attached.
Jesus. <laughs>